Hey, welcome to the Play, Move, Improve podcast. You're listening to Robin Papworth. I'm a mum of three little ones, an exercise physiologist, developmental educator and early learning speaker. I'll be empowering you to set up engaging play activities to improve children's development, health and learning outcomes. Thank you for listening. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a case study, a little girl in preschool. Um, I wanted to share with you my observations and what I was mentoring her educators and teachers about while I was in her classroom. To give you an idea of what I typically do in the classroom is the first session I sit back in the classroom and I observe all of the children and I look for what I call red flags. So what I'm looking for is children who might be having trouble focusing on a particular task, children who might be struggling to engage and join the discussion of group time, children who are reluctant to try different activities in the yard. So for example, maybe stuck on two areas of the yard, just the mud kitchen, just the sandpit, just the swing. And I'm also looking at children who may be floating around the classroom, but not really knowing how to engage in any particular activity on their own. They need that extra support to prompt them towards different activities. So over the next few weeks, I'll share different case studies. But today I wanted to talk to you about this little girl who the first thing that I noticed was her difficulty with moving around the space. So for example, we had our outdoor playtime. We seemed to be quite happy outdoors. We were playing in the mud kitchen and in socially she was interacting with other children. But what I noticed was when she was transitioning back inside to engage in an inside activity that wasn't the mud kitchen, we could we could see that she got a little bit disoriented and a little bit lost and needed that additional prompting to do a particular activity that we knew that she would enjoy. So this doesn't seem like too much of a concern, but the reason why I start to see this as a red flag, children who need additional prompting is in a kindergarten classroom, you have quite a good ratio. Of course, we'd love it to be a better ratio, but the better ratio is in the kindergarten classroom versus the ratio that we have in a primary school classroom. And knowing that this little girl is going next year to primary school where she'd need to move around the room more independently and not have as much prompting from her teacher We wanted to start to encourage her on her ability to explore and her ability to initiate her own play independently. So red flag um, was her look of disorientation as she walked in around a space, not sure where to sit, not sure where to go, not sure what to play with. The second red flag that I noticed was she wrote her name backwards. Now I want to talk to you really clearly about this because when we think of writing our name backwards, we straight away think delay, not always the case. I'll talk to you about this little girl. She wrote her name completely backwards. So if you imagine a mirror, she wrote her name. Her first letter was written backwards. The second letter of her name was written to the left-hand side of the first letter. And the third letter of her name was written to the left-hand side of that letter. So if you can imagine in your brain, I know it's tricky being a podcast, but if you can imagine in your brain that it's completely mirrored, it's going from right to left, not left to right. What we see typically in other children who may be getting their letters around the wrong way is they might write the first letter of their name back to front or the third or fourth letter of their name back to front, but the the word, the whole name is actually reading from left to right. It's reading like you would typically see it on the page. Where this particular girl, everything was mirrored. Little bit of a red flag, not showing significant delay, nothing to be too concerned about, but it's in these pockets of this moment where my neurological mind goes, let's look at that further. 
any red flag, I go, let's look at that further before making any assumptions. So we looked at that further and I put a mirror in front of her and I wanted her to look in the mirror and write her name. And when she looked in the mirror and just looked at the mirror, didn't look at her hand on the paper, she wrote her name in left to right formation, neurotypical, exactly how we would expect her name to be written. So that mirroring effect that she had going on neurologically was a concern for me, it was quite a highlight. It wasn't just one or two letters going backwards. It was the fact that all of her letters ran backwards without a mirror. And then with a mirror, they all ran from left to right in typical formation. So what we do in that point is we just go on to the next stage of how we can observe that further. So what I did is I gave her shapes and this was the following week. I gave her shapes and half of the shape was missing. So what I wanted to see was whether she could have the spatial awareness to complete the shape. We do similar when we want children to complete the pattern. We do similar when you give children half a, fa a face and then they complete the other half of the face. So I went down that path to see if we were able to complete that. And, sh and um, interestingly, she was. She was able to complete the other half of the shape that was missing and she did that better than some of the other children in the class. So. This is what I love about development in that I get to a point in my role where I go, wow, this is not what I call typical development. This is something outside the box. And this is where I refer on because I tried everything that I could think of. I've tested other areas of her development. I'll chat about that soon. But in regards to her reversing letters and words, her shape, configuration seemed to be typical, seemed to be what I was expecting. I was expecting her to get to the shape activity and get really disorientated disoriented, and quite confused by the process, like one, another little boy that was in her class that couldn't understand the instructions and it was way above his ability to complete that. That's what I was expecting and I didn't get what I expected. So at this moment, and what I, the reason why I want to share this is when we get to the end of our scope or the end of what I can provide in that particular area of her learning, this is where we refer on. I referred the teacher on to let the parent know that I would suggest a behavioral optometrist. Now, when we think of a behavioral optometrist, we hear the word behavior. That's not necessarily the case. It's just if you haven't heard of a behavioral optometrist before, it may also be called vision therapy. But we really want to look at why we're reversing everything and why. what can we do to help children? Because if we look at literacy further on, are we seeing everything mirrored? We don't know that. So that's the role of a behavioral optometrist. So that's the next step we took in that part of her development. What we also noticed was when she was given a craft activity to copy, we were trying to see her ability to copy shapes and she actually was to create a B was what we were trying to encourage her to do. Her B was completely mirrored as well. So say for example, the educator made the B with the antlers on the right hand side of the B and the tail on the left hand side of the B. This little girl reversed it. Her B was pretty much exactly the same, but the antlers were on the left-hand side of the B and the tail was on the right-hand side of the B. So again, there's some mirroring happening, but it's now we hope that it will go on to the behavioral optometrist to find out more. Interestingly enough, there were other challenges with her spatial awareness though. So 
for example, the next session we came in and we I just asked the teacher to run group time and to do a an activity where we had to touch a different body location. So we did heads, shoulders, knees and toes. It's always a popular one for, for our preschoolers. And interestingly enough, she sat there with her legs crossed and she was able to find her head, her shoulders, her knees, but she was only able to tap one foot. It was sort of like she couldn't understand the space of where her feet were because we'd cross them and she could only find one foot she didn't tap her left foot at all throughout the whole song now the teacher was fantastic she made the song fast heads and shoulders and she made the song go slow for heads and shoulders and even in those slow moments where she could slow her processing down she was still unable to find her left foot so in those particular moments what I do as an exercise physiologist is we're going to encourage more of that, more heads and sh heads and shoulders every day. We're going to encourage more activities to do with her feet. So I'll keep you posted on that in the next episode of how we go with engaging her feet more because we want to see why aren't we connecting the dots from our mind to our feet. And that's the next session. Of course, in one session, we can never do everything in one session, but we try our best. And it's now knowing that we've worked on the vision side to the best of my ability. I've referred on to a behavioral optometrist. I've now seen challenges with her spatial awareness. So now the next step is we look further at what's happening with her feet. Another red flag for that when we are looking at going back to what I said first, we were only in this mud kitchen area of the yard Consulting with her teacher, we, we obviously observe that she doesn't try any other areas of the playground. She literally just stands stationary at the mud kitchen and sits stationary in the sand pit. So we want to really assess next session how her balance is, how her overall gross motor function is, is happening. So I'm going to keep you posted with this little girl. She's been an absolute delight to work with. She's taken on all of my unusual activities with full motivation and full enthusiasm. So just an idea when you're going into your spaces, we sometimes think that heads, shoulders, knees and toes is a, an infant type song and it's a nursery rhyme, but please that song will show you so much about your class. What we look for in that song is if one of you can, one of your team can instruct the song and sing the song and the other educator or teacher, please look around the room and make sure that every child is able to find head, head shoulders, knees and toes without needing extra support because if we look at our kinders they're aged between four and five and we should be able to find our body locations if given enough practice by the by that age other things to look at is if we have english as a second language they may be getting overwhelmed with the music and the language part of the activity so we struggle to find our body so sometimes try and first sing the song, heads, shoulders, knees and toes, and second, do it without you singing, without any language, and see if they can just copy your body movements for those children who have English as a second language, or particularly for those children who have a language delay. I would love to hear how you go. I would love to also hear any questions that you may have. Always here to answer any questions. And hopefully this has helped you in some way. Look at your children out in the yard in a different light and look at different um, ideas in the classroom. So take care and I'll have many more case studies to come. Enjoy your day.
You have been listening to Robin Papworth, exercise physiologist, developmental educator, speaker, author, mum of three from Play, Move, Improve. If you have enjoyed our content, please leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or on our website, playmoveimprove.com.au. Have a great day.